seven. What is your favorite ghost story? Hmm. I mean, The Shining comes to mind, mm-hmm. but I'm gonna go Annabelle Lee. Edgar Allan Poe. Mm-hmm. It's a good one. Yeah, I just have never heard one that really hit me as hard as that. I think there's like an emotional response to that story for me. I feel that. And the Sarah Jerosh cover of it is fucking fantastic. You've heard that one, right? Mm-mm. Oh, I'll have to play it for you. It's beautiful. It's haunting. It's creepy. It's weird. It's everything I want out of like a good ghost song. It's a date. Beautiful. Aw, you take me on a date? Oh, I guess I'm taking you on a date. Anyway, mm-hmm. what's yours? Titanic. <laughs> <laughs> I. Y- you know what? is a ghost story it's like i said it bit, as a joke but but when you look at it like um oh what's that bit that they do on tiktok where it's what's your favorite ex says uh or what, like they're not what your favorite oh, thing says about you but like you, it's the safe choice it's the yeah. right choice your child all of that mm-hmm. that that answer is this one shouldn't count but i'm allow it i don't know i mean also also um Beetlejuice is just a classically like fun ghost story. Oh, fantastic! I love Beetlejuice. Yeah, um, there's a reason why it's so popular. So. Not gonna say it again because I don't really need to deal with Michael Keaton right now. But and then I mean, there's literally ghosts. Like how sexy! Ugh, My God, it's super sexy. But it's because of Patrick Swayze. Yeah, may he rest. May he rest. He's dead, dude. Yeah, um, he died of like rock. some aggressive cancer in his fifties. Oh no, he's been dead for like ten years, babe. I don't like that. I don't like it either. Hey, babe. Yeah, babe. Remember that time we watched 13 Ghosts? You mean 13 Ghosts? Yeah. Why did they do that? There was a thing in the early aughts and like late 90s of stylizing titles in really obnoxious ways. Yeah. So it's like T-H-I-R, the number one, the number three, and then E-N, Ghosts. Yeah. So 13 Ghosts. (laughs) 13 Ghosts. Third 13 and Ghosts. Wow. <laughs> of course, we are talking about the 2001 remake, not the original uh, really goofy, campy William Castle one from 1960. It's like when people say chai tea, they're saying tea tea. So there's a lot of arguments about that. It's not, re- this isn't really the place for it, but <laughs> tea is a category. Chai denotes a type. Yes, it literally means tea. Like non-bread just means bread, bread. Or like when we talked about um, um Iran, the movie, mm-hmm. the girl walks home alone at night, when it's bad city, but bad mm-hmm. in Arabic means city, so it's bad bad or it's bad bad or city city. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's fun. I don't know. There's 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 a lot of linguistic stuff that we could dive into, and I would be a super nerd for it because I love linguistics. You're but a nerd instead, for a lot of things. It's great. I just get bored easily. <laughs> it's really what it's all it is. I just get bored easily. I'm Nicole. I am Topher. And we're the Horror Babes. Yes, this is correct. This is correct. And welcome to October 2021. Our theme is Ghost Stories. We're telling stories about ghosts. So obviously we had to cover Thur 13 and Ghosts (laughs) on Ghost Stories. Is this our new Vava Vitch? Yeah, I think so. So just in case you're new here, I'll give the rundown of how today is going to go. And if you're new here, you're not going to get that joke I just made. True. Um, go back to the very beginning, our first episode. literally our first episode. (laughs) Um, but anyway, so Topher will start us off by shouting out the cast and crew in Who Made This Thing? I do do that. And then I will take us through the plot. Mm -hmm. And then in our third segment, we will analyze said plot. Get all up in its guts. Get all up in there. So Topher, without further ado, Who Made This Thing? Me. No. Shit. 
No. I don't think you want that. No, I really don't want this on my... As much as we would love to work with Tony Shalhoub. I would. I I have worked with Tony Shalhoub. Well, la-di-da. I mean, I didn't, like, act with him, but I dressed (laughs) him for the Tonys. That's right, you did. He won a Tony in a suit that I... A tux that I, like, fit him for. Well-deserved, too. He won that for uh, the band's visit, right? Yes. Oh, my God. How good was that? Great. And amazing. And yeah, uh, speaking of largely audibit casts, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I guess I'll do the cast first and then I'll get to the, the other folks. Sure. So we do have the absolutely incredible Tony Shalhoub mm-hmm. as Arthur Criticos. Made me want to watch Maisel real bad. <laughs> <laughs> Makes me want to miss Maisel real bad. It's true. We had Mommy, sorry, Mommy, sorry, Miss Honey, <laughs> sorry, M. Beth Davitz as Kalina Orezia. Better known as uh, Miss Mommy Honey herself. Mommy herself from Matilda. Ooh. Also was in Sunshine, which we've covered before. I know. She's, she is a horror icon because I I will die on the hill saying that Matilda is a horror story. It's, I mean, it's Roald Dahl, right? Like yes. everything Roald Dahl is borderline horror. And the movie is scary. So is Willy Wonka. Yeah. The original. I hate the Tim Burton remake. It's I didn't even terrible. see it. It's so bad. Um, the only thing good, the only good thing about it is um, Christopher Lee. Mm-hmm. So listen, I love Miss Honey's uh, career trajectory here. She was she obviously did other things. Other <laughs> the sweetest mommy. Matilda. Sorry, mommy, um. <laughs> mommy. She she obviously did other things, but we've got Matilda, Sunshine, and this. Like she's she's a horror icon in my eyes. I'm here for it. Mom. More more in Beth Davids. We have one of my absolute favorite actors, and I'm not saying this as a joke. I I seriously do love him. Matthew Lillard as Dennis Rafkin, our psychic. Talk about someone who has worked since they were very young. It's like him, Seth Green, Brendan. Um, Seth Green's yeah. best friend who runs Robot Chicken. With I know, him. I know who you're talking about. Yeah. Um, but like all of them have just like just they just do the work. Like they just work. Yeah. And I love that. Um, another mommy. Sorry, uh, Shannon Elizabeth. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, as Kathy Criticos. Which I swear to God, I don't think she's ever actually looked like a teenager, even when she was She a always looked 30. She's, she's like 18 looked... in this, and she looks 30. And that's not saying It's the that... opposite version, right? It's not. It's, a, it's the opposite of a deer having Anson. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it's, I'm not saying that she doesn't look youthful, because she certainly does, but it's like she's always looked in her prime. If that yeah, makes sense. yeah. To this day, like she's she's frozen at like twenty five. Yeah, yeah, exactly. She's never like a lot of us. Um, most of us had some really rough times when we were teens, and even into <laughs> college, I would argue, like I I was not put together. But I think so. It's it's really a compliment to her because she's just always looked like she's just in her prime. Yeah, and like has it figured out? She see, just I finally hit my beautiful. stride in my late twenties and early thirties. Right? Yeah, exactly. And I think that, like you said, she's just frozen at at twenty five, but kind of always looked twenty five in exactly, a way that, like, exactly, yeah. she figured out her style. She's also just got stunning features in general. Adams, um, baby. Yeah, and so you look good. so yeah, it's not that she doesn't look youthful. It's just that like she has. Has it figured out? Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, Tony Shalhoub looks the same, but true. He just his facial hair just changes. That's it. That's it. Yeah. yeah. When he has the mustache, oof, daddy, mm, mommy and daddy in one <laughs> in one movie. Wow. Um, we've got a baby Alec Robertson here as Bobby Criticos. Very cute. J.R. Bourne as the lawyer Benjamin Moss. Radiga as Maggie Bess, their live-in nanny, mm-hmm. and. One of my absolute favorites. Amazing, amazing actor. 
he is who I want to grow up to be. F. Murray Abraham as Cyrus Criticos, the weird uncle. The very weird uncle. But like, come on, F. Murray Abraham. You just look at him and you're like, you know what? You're being weird, but I'm still down. Yeah. I like you. That's you're fair. Allowed to be, you're allowed to be my weird, crazy uncle. Mm-hmm. Why was that such a holdover in the like 50s and 60s in horror films? Was it just because you had Vincent Price available <laughs> to play like the weird, rich uncle? Maybe. I mean, it it would make sense, I guess. Yeah. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So since we're doing this in reverse, since I usually do the cast last, mm-hmm. uh, we were directed here by Steve Beck. Um, Steve Beck is an interesting, has had an interesting career. Okay. So he starts off in visual effects, right? Um, he worked for Industrial Light and Magic. Mm-hmm. So he worked, he was the visual effects art director of both Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade and another film starring Sean Connery, The Hunt for Red October. Okay. He also worked on The Abyss with Jim Cameron um, as the effects art director. He, this was his first feature, and not his last, but right after this, he made Ghost Ship. Okay. And then he no longer worked. <laughs> wow. He does. He, he's a commercial director now. Like, that's all he does now. Okay. Uh, and that's fine. That's great. That's a career, you know? Yeah. But... Yeah, he. This was his first feature as a director. He did Ghost Ship, which was also fucking terrible. I don't mm-hmm. know if you've seen it. It's no. so bad. It's so bad. Um, but that's that's his career. This is it's this movie and Ghost Ship. He made two movies about ghosts, and they're both bad. And that's it. Okay. <laughs> so we've got a bunch of writing credits here, mm-hmm. just because it's, it's a remake. On, yeah, it's based on um, William Castle. Yes, William Castle directed the yeah. original. Yeah. Um, so. He, so Rob White is one of the writers here, and he worked significantly, consistently with uh, with uh, William Castle, notably a movie we've covered before, House on Haunted Hill. Uh, he did Homicidal. He did the original Thirteen Ghosts. Um, Up Periscope. <laughs> he oh, wrote okay. the novel for that. Yeah, yeah. That's that was like sort of how he broke through, and also he wrote for Perry Mason forever. All right. Yeah. Uh, we also have Neil Marshall Stevens, who wrote the retreatment of this that one that we we're talking about what an interesting guy uh-huh um he writes under benjamin carr a lot so if you ever see benjamin carr as a name that's his like uh nom de plume okay but yeah a uh, fun little fact james gunn did punch up on this script who's that again james gunn is um he directed and wrote Guardians of the Galaxy, okay. the new Suicide Squad movie. That's right. That's right. He, I, I have a lot of love for James Gunn. Even if he said some bullshit things in the past, he's actually one of the few examples of someone who does things right afterwards. Okay. You know, like makes uh, the correct apologies sure. and like learns from his mistakes. And actions follow. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Work. <laughs> <laughs> um, our music was from John Frizzell. So John Frizzell, composer... We whenever we talk about composers, we're like, oh yeah, shit, they've done everything. So he did Alien Resurre- Resurrection. Okay. Resurrection. <laughs> Resurrection. Uh, Office Space. Okay. He Zappa, which is uh, I think just came out or came out last year. It's a documentary about Frank Zappa. He composed for that, which is a huge ask, right? Asking oh, someone yeah, to compose around came, Frank Zappa. I think that came out last year. Yeah, I, I, I keep, it's one of those I keep needing to watch, but I've heard you know. it's good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but he did, you know, one of the Texas Chainsaw remakes. He did the following, that Kevin Bacon show. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, United States of Terra, which is fantastic, but kind of underrated by the network mm-hmm. sort of thing. We have one of my sort of dark horse favorite cinematographers here. Okay. Gail Tattersall shot this, but also shot Tank Girl, a cult classic. Oh, yeah. He shot all of House, okay. which is one of my favorite shows. I, You know how I don't like procedurals, but I love House? That. Hmm. Yeah, he's just, he's had a weird, he's been, uh, he's been the DP for Grace and Frankie. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I just like, he's a weird dark horse for me of someone who I'm like, why do I love the way you shoot things? Even though you shoot some really stupid shit. (laughs) You know, sometimes, sometimes it's a paycheck. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's correct. It's just sort of funny that I'm like, you've done terrible things and wonderful things. I don't know what to do. Um, He's a well-rounded career. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But I, I, I'd love to see him with, like, a really, really proper director on a cool film. I think that's what I would want for him, mm-hmm. you know? Anyhow, so this movie was kind of considered a disappointment, which is stupid because it made $68 million against a $42 million budget. So why was it considered Because it just didn't, like... It, it didn't bomb. Were they thinking but it, it was going to be like the next Scream or something? More or less. Like, you throw in Tony Shalhoub, you throw in Shannon and Elizabeth, you throw in... Matthew Lillard. Yeah. You're 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 looking at a and it's a remake of a classic, right? Yeah. And so I think that's why they were like, Oh, we did all this stuff. Why isn't this a huge film? Right. But it just, you know, um, it didn't. I, I don't I don't know what to say about it other mm-hmm. than like it just didn't do what they wanted it to do. I think this movie's really fun though. Like, I'm not surprised they didn't make more. Yeah, it got pretty terrible reviews but i just it's it's a piece of shit yeah i mean yeah it's not (laughs) it's not good but but it's fun like i wouldn't say i wouldn't say don't watch it like it's fun it's an easy fun jokey ridiculous uh film Mm -hmm. with a way too much backstory Mm -hmm. (laughs) um but it is fun we'll go into the backstories for the ghosts um, mm-hmm. Even though they're not in the movie, we'll talk about them in the in the analysis portion. But yeah, the movie came out just ahead of Halloween in October of two thousand one. Okay, uh, it's a nice tight ninety one minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's I it's a fun film. Uh, but you should maybe tell me what happens in it. What happens in this movie is we've got a we open up with a scene of a ghost hunter named Cyrus Criticos and his psychic F. Marie Abraham. <laughs> yes, and his psychic assistant Dennis Rafkin. They lead a team on a mission to capture a spirit called the Juggernaut. Yes. And it's so funny, like, watching Matthew Lillard just chew scene. Oh, yeah. he Him and F. Marie Abraham are having the time of their fucking life. No, it's pretty, it's pretty strong. It's a pretty strong start. Um, several men, including Cyrus, are killed while the team is able to catch the ghost. Yeah, it kills, like, dozens. He's like, I thought you said he only killed, like, nine people. He killed like, yeah, like 40. 40. It's like 40. It's like, um, oh, he added a few more. <laughs> just a few. Just 31. Cyrus, 31 is not a few. Right? I can't even do math and I know that. <laughs> um, so we got Cyrus's nephew, Arthur, who is a widower, is informed by Cyrus's estate lawyer, Ben Moss, that he has inherited Cyrus's mansion. Uh, Arthur 
his wife there was a big fire it's it's, just it's really, really well done scene it's, it really it's the opening is. credits is Cause, cause them you, like it's like idyllic moment right yeah it's like you know they're like oh the kids love this place and then like cut to you're just still panning around the house and you just hear the fire alarm go off you hear everyone screaming you basically you don't see anything happen but you you know exactly what someone happens. telling him that he can't go back in and then we hear the hospital and the flat she didn't line make it. yeah it's such an it's such a weirdly like filmic artsy shot here, right? Yeah. It doesn't fit with the rest of the movie at all, but it was like someone told Gail Tedersall that he had time and he goes, Oh, I got time. And he set up this fucking amazing shot. No, it was it's, it's really good storytelling. It's, it's a strong start for this movie. And it's um, a wonderful reference. It's a classic reference, because that's what mm-hmm. you would do in a lot of these older films when you couldn't when you had the Hayes code still and you couldn't show and also, maybe gore. if you don't want to spend money on all of that. Exactly. You know? It's yeah, a, it's, it's, a, it's money saving and it's way. getting around the haze code of not being able to show people dying like that on screen. So yeah. you tell the story in voiceover yeah. while showing this idyllic scene. And so it's this great emotional pull. Totally. It's this dichotomy of what's actually happening and then seeing something completely different. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's this wonderful little bit of like um, um, juxtaposition. Yeah. So... So after the wife dies, the family is just in ruin, basically. Um, uh, Shannon Elizabeth is having to take on a motherly role, which, you know, will save that trauma for her therapist later. <laughs> um, and the little kid's obsessed with death. Which, yeah, you he's know, like starting a podcast. Cute. <laughs> Go off. You like, know, he's, like, got a, he's got a little recorder and he's got his microphone and he's talking about deaths and like watching endorse. the news. And we're also like... They're sort of like, you know what? It's weird, but fuck it. Let the kid do what he needs to do. You know? Yeah. Like, I love that Arthur and, uh, what's Shannon Elizabeth's name in the movie? Kathy. Kathy, yeah. Are both like, nah, it's fine. Let him go. Yeah. Yeah, so um, we, we support a podcast king. Um, <laughs> Before they were even invented. Right? And so, ahead of his time. Yeah. So, because they are definitely um, financially insecure, they go ahead and take the house. Yeah, they're like, "Fuck it, dude! Like, we this is this is the the whatever luck we've been waiting for." Yeah, whatever inheritance you can get, bro. Who would say no? But then, um, so Kathy and Bobby, and then their nanny Maggie, um, head to this house in a car. It's like a couple hours from where they are. It's very secluded. It's like there aren't neighbors for miles because right, he, yeah really liked his privacy you know like haunted haunted house shit Mm -hmm. right like it's just the the haunted spiel right there (laughs) so dennis meets the family as they tour the mansion yeah he pretends to be a dude who works for the power company he's like oh there's 5,570 folks who don't have power right now and Mm -hmm. your house does and it's knocking everything out wow um i mean tony shalhoub did say that he that his uncle squandered the family the fortune. The family yeah. fortune. And we can see why uh, once we see this mansion. And then, so, basically, the whole mansion is just glass. It's like glass sheets mm-hmm. inscribed with Latin phrases, which kind of just looks insane. <laughs> just looks crazy. Um, but Dennis recognizes them as barrier spells. So it's keeping something in. He discovers that the 12 angry ghosts that he and Cyrus captured are imprisoned in the house and held captive by these Latin spells that are written on the glass doors. Right. So 
He warns, he tr- or tries to warn Arthur. Nobody gets the fuck out of this house, really. Well, like, he's saying, like, get the fuck out, take your kids, leave. Do not stay here. This place is bad. But Arthur's like, okay, crazy. Where are we going to go? Yeah, but you they know? do end up psychically linking. Yeah. Um, since, yeah, he, like, touches uh, Dennis, and Dennis is like, stop touching me, don't touch me, don't touch me, don't touch me. Because that's how he mm-hmm. communes psychically. Yeah. So while they're doing this, Moss un- unwittingly triggers a mechanism that seals the house and releases the ghosts. Yikes! Yeah. Well, and he does it because he, he dies, or he, this happens because of his greed, and it's a trap set up by. Well, we'll get to that, but yes, there's we a see bag it. We see full it happen, of cash, and he lifts the bag, and it triggers. He's like, not but not a bad hourly wage, and then all hell breaks loose. Yeah, we find out that in fact Cyrus did not squander the family fortune. He was very good with money, and then y'all. One of the best kills that I've seen in a long time happens. Oh, it's so good. It's so, so good. A set of sliding doors cut him in half, not in the way, not from like, you know, not splitting him at the waist, but like in half, half. From top to bottom, yes. And Hot not dog fr- style, not, yeah. not hamburger yeah. style. Yeah, it's through um, his, it's like from ear to ear and down, right? Yes. And it's amazing. It's just like, it takes so much time. It lives in this kill. Yep. It just like the the movie is just like yeah we're gonna watch him slowly die yeah because he knows the ghosts are there and he's got the glasses on and he's like making comments at the naked lady with the knife and everything mm-hmm. yeah yeah he's gross we don't, like we, this, don't, we don't like the lawyer in here ben there's Moss like this sucks. um there's this thing in, in anatomy it's the transverse plane is like if you if you cut someone in half like at the waist this is the other plane. <laughs> like the, the one that cuts you from, you'll have a frontal part and then you'll have like a posterior part. Cutting that in half. It's Gross. wild. Yeah. Like a zucchini. Like a zucchini. Um, so then Bobby sees a lot of the ghosts, like most of them, including the withered lover, his mother, Jean, who had died, uh, you know, from in the, the fire, house fire. Yeah. She's got some nice gross uh, fire or burns on her face and oh, all yeah. over her left side. Yeah. Yeah. And then he's knocked unconscious and dragged away. Bye-bye. Bye. See you later, Bobby. So then we go over to Dennis. He's using a pair of these spectral glasses that look so fucking stupid. They look so dumb. They're um, just like protective eye gear. I feel like we could have done something else. We really could have done more with those. Yeah. So basically what these spectral glasses do is they allow the person who's wearing them to see the supernatural realm. And so they're able to avoid the ghosts. Yeah. But they don't work the best. Like, the ghosts will phase in and out, you know? Oh, yeah. The ghosts are smart. Yeah. You know? Yeah, the ghosts are fully, fully... This is an interesting version of ghosts. We'll talk about that, though. Yeah. So we've got the jackal, which is one of the most dangerous ghosts. He ends up attacking Kathy and Arthur, but they are saved by Kalina Orezia, who is a spirit liberator who is attempting to free the ghosts. She (laughs) just, like, snuck in when the house was going under, like, the lockdown thing, and she's like... Don't get your hopes up. It's not going to open back up again. Right. Um, she's like, I know how these things work. Been around the block. I was Miss Honey. I've seen it all. <laughs> I, I have was adopted raised, so many children. I was raised by Miss Trenchable. I know. I know about terror. And then Kathy just like disappears, which I feel like nobody is actually looking for the kids in this movie. It's kind of weird. He keeps saying that they're going to go find his kids, and they just just keep not doing it. They keep just, like, not doing it. It's really weird. Um, Kathy disappears, and the four adults gather in the library, where Arthur learns that Jean's ghost is also there in the house. And that Dennis helped trap it there. Yep. 
Drama. Such drama. So sad. So Kalina explains that the house is a machine powered by these ghosts that have been held captive, and it allows its user to see the past, the present, and the future. And someone gets a bunch of Latin wrong. Yep. And the only way to shut it down is through the creation of a 13th ghost from a sacrifice of love. See, this is like basically a Disney movie. Um, (laughs) This is like, you know, Ariel giving her voice to Ursula. Sacrifice for love. Gross. So... Arthur realizes that he must become Yeah, he starts to come to that realization. To save his children. Now we're thinking about the children. Save the babies. I believe the children are our future. Teach them well and let them lead the way. (laughs) See, I always go to Marvin Gaye with my, what I think is the funniest line in all of music. Save the babies. (laughs) It's amazing. So, everyone's got these dumbass looking glasses on. Um, looking like we're in chemistry class junior year of high school. <laughs> well, it's even funnier because only one of each pair has them. Yeah. It's so funny. I, I, I think that's hilarious for some reason. I don't know why, but it's funny. So Arthur and Dennis go to the basement to find the children fucking finally. They've, right. like, they could have died by now. Yeah, and they pulled a glass sheet off covered in Latin phrases as protection. Yes. So then Dennis barricades Arthur behind a glass sheet for protection, like you said, but he's beaten to death by the hammer and the juggernaut who are, you know, we, we, I don't, I think this is the first time we're seeing hammer, but we've seen the, juggernaut. no, we've seen the hammer a few times. The hammer, okay. the juggernaut was the 12th one, yes, right? So it that. hadn't been released yet. The hammer is the one that has all the nails through him. He has like the railroad spikes all through his body. He's the Hellraiser one. So now here's where shit just like gets manipulative. So Cyrus faked his death to lure Arthur to the house. Kalina is his partner, um, which is revealed when she ends up knocking Maggie. Poor Matt. Maggie. What? The, I feel so we're bad. Talk about that. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. Maggie's Maggie is it's it's a messed up situation. Um, but she's knocked unconscious with a large book and promptly kisses Cyrus upon his arrival. And so we we learn that there's this weird like I don't know she's like in love with him and he's like not I don't know he's using her yeah so Cyrus has basically orchestrated this whole abduction of Kathy and Bobby so that Arthur will become the thirteenth ghost so all of this has been completely they're just pawns on his on his um, yeah he need, he wants to become the most he wants to become like a god basically that's yes. what the machine is for yeah. So this will actually not stop the machine, as Kalina claimed, but trigger its activation. So Cyrus kills Kalina, who objected to Cyrus putting the children in danger, and summons the ghost to activate the machine. Mm-hmm. So now we go over. We're in Zimane Hall. Arthur witnesses all 12 ghosts orbiting a clockwork device of rotating metal rings, and his children are at the center. They, like, kind of rise up, and they, mm-hmm. um, they're... It's, it doesn't look good for them. No, no. Um, so then he fights Cyrus. Maggie ends up uh, disrupting the machine. Yeah, controls. in a real racist scene where she's basically a mm-hmm. DJ. I mean, it's Rod Degas, so like, I get that you would use her that way, but like, also gross. Yeah, no, I have a lot of problems with uh, the portrayal of um, Maggie and the how they decided to yeah execute all of that. I don't think it's cool at all. But anyway, so when Maggie disrupts the machine's controls, it releases the ghosts from its power and it causes the machine to basically just like... It starts breaking. Yeah, like it's, it goes it, It's haywire. grinding against itself, yeah. Mm-hmm. 
So then all the ghosts hurl Cyrus into the moving rings, which just slices him to pieces. Right in front of the children, too. Yeah, they're like center stage, front and center. They're like, getting hit with their uncle's bits and pieces. Yeah, talk about Splash Mountain. Oh, gross. <laughs> that was gross. SeaWorld, Splash Zone. Ugh. Whatever. <laughs> um, so with the encouragement of Dennis's ghosts, Arthur jumps through the machine safely to protect his children. Yes, Arthur. Yay, so, we love a dad. Finally, you're being a dad. Damn. He's been a dad the no, whole I'm time. No, I'm joking. Come on. I'm joking. I'm projecting, all right? <laughs> um, so... As all this happens, the walls of the house just shatter, as glass does. Um, and the malfunctioning machine just kind of like self-destructs, but slowly it's like ripping itself apart. And this frees the ghosts. So then we see, you know, this materialization of Jean, who is like the kid's mom and of Tony Shalhoub's late wife. Um, it's, it's a beautiful moment where she says, I love you. And then she disappears forever. Mm-hmm. And the family leaves the fucking house. They get the fuck out of town because now, like, PTSD, it just looks no, like, thank you. you know, it's been burnt to shreds. And then Maggie angrily declares that she is quitting as their nanny, which go off, queen. Yes. Goodbye. Not in the job description. And that's the end of the movie. It sure is. That's it. That's all that happens. Yep. Oh, man. What a piece of shit. It's so fun, though. It's definitely a movie that I really enjoy watching. But it's so bad. You know, <laughs> it's, it's so bad. It's interesting because it is very, very, very different than um, Crimson Peak, the movie that we covered last week. Yes. And yet, I kind of feel similarly about it in the way that, um, like I said in that episode, it kind of bridges the gap because it gives you kind of like that Disney Channel original movie feel. With the family and then the tragic thing happening to the happening to the mom and yeah, you kept calling it Smart House, but it sucks. <laughs> yeah, it's like Smart House, but it's 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 scarier. So it's it's interesting that I I kind of feel similarly where this it's not scary. This is not a scary movie. Um, I do, I don't know anyone who would actually like genuinely be frightened by this. Right. So. I think it's but but it's fun. So it's a nice bridging the gap between, you know, someone who is really not into horror, but maybe wants to watch something a little spooky to get in the mood for, you know, like October. Totally. But they're not, you know, watching Disney Channel original movies or, you know, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so I don't know. I think I think this movie is interesting in that way. I don't think it's a I don't think it's a well-made movie. I don't think it's good. I think it's confusing and the editing is sloppy um the acting is okay we've got good actors but i just there's yeah it, the direction's is, a little weird yeah everything is supposed to be sort of like at 10 the entire time which is a weird way to direct people yeah so i don't know this movie is definitely a miss for me but i'm also not saying that i won't ever watch it again sure you know? yeah like it's yeah complex feelings about it it was fine i would throw it on if i you know was maybe doing something else but i wanted you know, like an, a it's movie a, I can yeah, look up at. It's a goofy and, watch. Yeah. yeah. I'm on my phone for it, but yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's, it's funny that they put so much work into it and it still isn't, you know, great. Yeah. But so they name all the ghosts, right? We hear the names of all the ghosts. Mm-hmm. So we have the firstborn son, mm-hmm. the torso, the bound woman, the withered lover, the torn prince, the angry princess, the pilgrimess, the Great Child and the Dire Mother, 
the hammer, the jackal, and the juggernaut, right? Yep. So here's the the backstories they wrote for all of these. Yes. Firstborn son. A ghost of a little bratty boy named Billy Michaels who, pre- who loved to pretend to be a cowboy. One day, another little kid challenged Billy to a duel, but Billy's cap gun was no match for that boy's real steel-tipped arrow that Billy's ghost still carries in his forehead. Unlike <laughs> most of the ghosts, this one is a mild threat, never attacking anyone and just saying, I want to play. Creepy. I feel like we're going over characters in D&D or something. <laughs> a little bit. I'm here for it. Like, you could do a themed D&D... 13 ghosts. 13 oh, I'm totally ghosts. I'm totally going to do like a one shot. It'd be fun. Or like a couple session version of this. I've done I've done, I've run a similar one before. Um, this just Death like House gives you this just gives you very um laid out characters and just yeah. very you, you know how to assign certain things to these types of characters. Exactly. Just gives you a nice framework, I guess. Totally. So then we have the torso. Jimmy the Gambler Gambino. Oh. <laughs> was a gambler in the early 1900s who caught the attention of the mafia. After he lost a boxing bet and didn't have the money to pay up, the mafia cut him into pieces and wrapped him in cellophane, dumping the remains in the ocean. His ghost appears as a torso with a severed head nearby and is more of a neutral spirit than actively hostile. We have the bound woman. Susan Legros was the richest girl in town and was very popular. Her one flaw was the way she toyed with boys and men. During her senior prom night, she was killed by a jilted ex named Chet Walters, a star quarterback, after catching her cheating with another guy. Her ghost lures Bobby into the dangerous basement and still shows her in, still shows up in a prom attire, bound ropes holding her arms. We have the withered lover. Jean Criticos was a happy and devoted wife and mother. She died as a result of fire injuries at St. Luke's Hospital half a year before the events of the film began. Unlike most of the ghosts, she is not dangerous. She is benevolent. Oh. We have the torn prince. Royce Clayton was a gifted and famous teenage baseball player in the 1950s who caught the eye of colleges around the country. Thanks to his challenger... A greaser who set him up. Royce died in an accident caused by cut brake lines. So he dies in a car crash. Yeah. Uh, his remains are still buried at the baseball diamond and his ghost still carries his baseball bat. That's very ghost-like. Yeah, I love I that. I love that. That's one of my favorite. The Torn Prince is probably my, one of my favorites. Just like we have we have a totem. Mm-hmm. We have a reason. Yeah. We have a haunting. Yeah. I love it. I it's love fantastic. the backstory. Yeah. Buried in a baseball mu- diamond? Yes, sir. Ooh. Big mood. Home plate? R- gotta be, right? Pitcher's mound? Nah, if he's got the bat, he's gotta be buried at home plate. You know? I love this. Why isn't there an Angels in the Outfield that's, like, scary? <laughs> I would watch that. I would, too. I would, love I would to 100% merge, watch that. I would love to merge the um, sub-genre of sports drama into... Ghost movie? Or just like horror. Yeah. Like remember the Titans, but like it's fucked up. When they go to Gettysburg. Yeah. But, that, but now there's ghosts. It's just like fucked <laughs> up. Yeah. All right. Let's see. We have the angry princess. Dana Newman was a beautiful but abused lady who lived in the latter half of the 20th century. She had plastic surgeries to alter the flaws she thought she had. And after a botched experiment mutilated her eye, she brutally killed herself in a bathtub at the clinic. Not a botched experiment. <laughs> Her ghost often carries blood, is nude, and carries the same knife she used to commit suicide. Titties. Titties. Hers is probably one of my favorite designs. Not because she's naked, but you can see like all oh, of the, yeah? the like, autopsy. <laughs> I'm joking. Fuck you. But she has the autopsy lines. Like the, yeah. the cuts, and I think that's so cool. Yeah. Like that was just a clever design. The Pilgrimus. Isabella Smith came to North America as a colonist in order to find a new life after being an orphan in England. 
The tight-knit community ostracized and ignored her, and even treated her as a scapegoat, accusing her of witchcraft when crops and animals mysteriously died. Witchcraft! She denied such accusations, but they trapped her in a burning barn. Even though she managed to escape unharmed, she f- this sealed her fate. How midsummer of them. Mm-hmm. She died of starvation after being condemned to the pillory that she carries around with her as a ghost. Get thee to a pillory. <laughs> so now we have the great child and the dire mother. Oh. Harold Shelburne was a mentally disabled man who never outgrew diapers and had to be spoon-fed as a fully grown adult, often making baby sounds. So after being mocked, and te- mocked, teased, and tormented relentlessly all his life, he massacred the freak show where he and his mother, Margaret Shelburne, worked and lived. Ooh. Since some of the freaks had killed his mother as a joke. The fuck? That sense of humor. Like, yeah, so apparently the circus owner had Harold mutilated beyond recognition, but his ghost appears as Harold did in life with a small patch of hair, a bib covered in vomit, and cloth diapers. He still holds the axe that he used to kill his enemies. Mm. Margaret Shelburne is the dire mother. Harold's mother was a shy little lady standing three feet tall. She could never stand up for herself. At the freak show where she lived, she was, oh God, assaulted by the tall man, another circus freak, and gave birth to her illegitimate son, Harold who she loved more than life itself. Mm. She smothered and spoiled him from infancy and never stopped as he grew. Apparently, this is why Harold's not mentally well. That doesn't sound right, but you know. Um, they were abused to the point where Harold killed almost the entire circus after Margaret was killed. As ghosts, they remained protect- together with Harold being protective. Like the torso, the dire mother is not aggressive and is more of a neutral spirit. Mm. A neutral spirit. Yeah. That's not something you hear every day. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, a neutral grain spirit. That's basically vodka. <laughs> Okay. Okay, bartender. Thank you very much. Yeah. Now we have the final three. The hammer. Ooh. The hammer is a it's a sad one. He's a. This is our only ghost of color. Uh-huh. And it's weird that we it, like we rarely see black ghosts. I was thinking about that last night. You you have a point. Yeah. yeah. Um. But yeah. So the hammer, a happy and honest family man and blacksmith, George Markley was Markley was falsely accused of stealing by a higher up named Nathan and threatened with exile from their old western town. George refused to leave, and his family was lynched by Nathan and a band of thugs while walking home from the town market one day. Seeking justice in the corrupt town, George took his blacksmith's hammer and killed those responsible. But the townsfolk chained him to a tree and drove railroad spikes through his body. His left hand was cut off, and the hammer was crudely attached to it. We've got a Candyman thing going on here. Definitely, yeah. Um, his ghost is one of the more angry spirits and partially responsible for Dennis' death. Hmm. Hmm. We have the Jackal, which is the creepiest ghost that we see. It's got that, like, saw bear trap thing on his head. Mm-hmm. Born to a sex worker in 1887, Ryan Kuhn developed a sick appetite for women, attacking and uh, assaulting strays and other sex workers in the night. He oh. voluntarily went to the Bornwood Institute for, the treatment to cure, for treatment to cure his problem, but the medical practices made him much worse, causing him to go completely insane after years of solitary confinement. He had his head locked in a cage after breaking out of his straitjacket and developed a hatred for humanity. When the asylum burst into flames, he chose to stay behind and die in the fire. Okay. His ghost carries his torn straitjacket in the torn cubic head cage. Mm-hmm. It's called a sign of Hell's Winter. One of the more aggressive and violent ghosts, he attacks and nearly kills Kathy before Kalina saves her. Mm-hmm. Finally, we have the Juggernaut, the one we're capturing at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Horace Breaker Mahoney was born very disfigured and was an outcast his entire life. His mother abandoned him at a tender age, and his father put him to work in the junkyard, using his unusual strength to crush cars. After his dad died, Horace went insane. 
He would take motorists and hitchhikers, tear them apart with his bare hands, and feed the remains to his dogs. After several of these murders, he was arrested. A SWAT team shot and killed him when he broke free of his handcuffs. As a ghost, he remained at the junkyard with his body riddled with bullet holes, killing intruders. Both Dennis and Cyrus remarked that his kill count numbered in the 40s, making this ghost one of the most evil and dangerous of the 12. So my question is here, how... Okay, so I know that this is a remake. Was... Were all of these characters created for the original in William Castle's version and then maybe repurposed for this one? Or is this some sort of history? This was this was Rob White's take. This is, this is a redoing of Rob White's original novel, right? Because the novel became the original movie, okay. which then became the remake here. So all of this is in that novel and that's where it originated? Kinda, yeah. Yeah. It's not as, I don't think it's nearly laid as much. Laid out or yeah. whatever. It's definitely okay. laid out, but I think it's a little less uh, intense. Sure. I mean, yeah, I feel like whenever you have, you keep making iterations of something, there's this pressure to flesh it out a little bit. Or change it in or certain ways it. and update it to the times. Yeah. What's scary now? What do we think of this? What do we think of that? That sort of stuff. Like you know? the difference between karaoke and a cover. Exactly. Like yeah. a karaoke you're imitating, mm-hmm. a cover you're supposed to make You're recreating. Yeah. You're recreating. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I certainly find all of, all of what you just... Uh, explained way more interesting than the movie itself. Right? Like, if I had that backstory <laughs> for all of these watching this, I'd be like, oh, that's so cool. Because, like, they ha- the, the, the ghost design is really interesting. Yeah. And it makes you want to ask questions about why they look like this. Why are they angry ghosts? Or, like, what's the difference between a neutral ghost and an angry ghost? What causes them to be that way, you know? Yeah, so so here's, here's something extremely positive that I will say about this movie. The set designer, special effect, makeup hair wardrobe showed up and did their fucking job yeah everything in the all of the effects and uh, and again the, the the design of the ghosts and even the design of this ridiculous crazy like like futuristic house of leaves house <laughs> um that literally changes configurations as opposed to like yeah, yeah. as opposed to yeah in, in the book you're kind of wondering if it's um if the if your narrator's going crazy or not. Right. They showed up and did their job. It's 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 the best part of this movie is the design. Like the execution of the idea of the aesthetics and the monsters. Yeah. Ghosts. I mean, you're you're not wrong. I mean, uh, the Rotten Tomatoes headline, this is at 16% on Rotten Tomatoes by the way. Oh yeah, it got like one star on everything. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's an average rating of 3.62 out of 10, but the The critical consensus reads, the production design is first rate, but 13 Ghosts is distinctly lacking in scares. Yes, it's not scary. Not Not even Not even a little bit. bit. No, no, there's nothing scary about this movie. Yeah. I mean, the the gore is good, like that first kill is good, but like, I, yeah, it's not. Yeah, even like, they could have gone harder in so many different directions, because Kalina just gets smushed to death. Yeah. Uh, Cyrus's death is not as gross as we made it sound. Yeah. Um, it's it's not good. It, it it really is like the production design is fantastic. Everything yeah. about that is great. They cast really good people mm-hmm. and it just, just kind of didn't short. do anything with it. Yeah. yeah, it's just a bad director and a bad writer. You know, like yeah. it's it's the problem with. Uh, I think this is where we look at remakes and go, well, why? Yeah, you know, does that make sense? No, absolutely. There, I I kind of feel like when you take and I'm not I'm not saying that this is like. The remakes that we get sometimes where, 
it's a huge part of people's childhood. I don't think that this was a huge part of anybody's no child. You, you know what I, I mean? I remember seeing it like on TV yeah. in an edited format and like not but, caring. But I think it takes. I think it takes some some version of or some level of cojones to actually say I'm going to take this thing that someone else created and I'm going to remake it thus change it or make it better I think that that kind of that's a pretty bold thing to do oh totally um but also at the same time I kind of think we're in a way telling the same stories over and over again because we don't have I'm not saying we don't have original ideas, but I do get tired of the remake sometimes because yes, of that. We all but, do. So, so there's this, there's some version of like um, maybe there's not an original idea, or you were just super inspired by because there's there's pressure from studios, right? Like oh, if, absolutely. If they're saying you yeah. need to make something, you need to make something. It's like, well, I'm struggling to find ideas. Let me just remake this other one. That's when the remakes tend to not turn out that great. But if you have a specific vision of how a movie could have been different or could have been better and you go for it, then that's high risk, high reward right there. Yeah. And it feels like remakes just feel like a very safe thing. Yeah. You know, Um, and it also this feels like they just the like Warner Brothers just wanted to keep the rights to this. Yeah. And so they were like, okay, well, we have to make it then. Yeah. Let's just slap some guy on here who directs commercials and yeah. say, Go, have at it. You know, it doesn't feel like it was Steve Beck's idea to do this, you know? Yeah. Like, I don't feel, I don't think that's who it was. It's like, and like, we didn't mention this up top, but Zemeckis was one of the producers of this. Yeah. <laughs> and Joel Silver. Mm-hmm. But I think, yeah, it, it very much feels like Warner Brothers and Columbia were just like, we or really Warner Brothers was like, we need to keep the rights, so let's make it again. Yeah. Um, so that they can not have, so no one else can make it, right? Mm-hmm. And this happens all the time. Like, we see this. It's the reason for, it's unfortunately the reason for a lot of remakes is that they just want to keep the rights. That's why there's that terrible, terrible Fantastic Four movie in the early 90s. Yep. And then there's, you know, I think remakes are generally considered safe, too, because you're going to make your money back because people are like, oh, I remember that movie from when I was a kid. I'll go see the new version of it. Yeah, you're playing on familiarity and nostalgia. Yeah. I mean, it's the reason that, you know, Starbucks is so huge. People don't go in there for the quality. They go in there because they know what they're going to get. Yeah. And I think that's sort of what this was is like, okay, it's 2001. We've got this pretty cool poster. Yeah. Uh, and we've got Matthew Lillard, guys. Yeah. You love him. Remember you, Scream? Remember how good Scream was? You love him. That is a fucked up thing. We were talking about this last night. It's not related, but uh, except by Matthew Lillard. I can't believe how fucking shitty it was of the production team to not tell Matthew Lillard and Great Lyle that they were not coming back for um, that Scoob movie. Oh, yeah. Just Matthew Lillard's tell, just, voice, his voice Scooby, or Shaggy for years. Just let people know. Yeah. And Great Lyle's been Daphne for it. years, and they both were recast, and no one told them. They found out on Twitter. That's weird. Yeah. And messy. But yeah, I think kind of the, the last thing I really wanted to touch on is representation in this movie. For the movie having, being more diverse than most Films yeah. in general, and especially horror films that we've seen. Three odd of actors. Yeah. Um, Tony Shalhoub and Shane Elizabeth are both Lebanese. Mm-hmm. And F. Murray Abraham is Syrian. 
Yeah, so it's like there's that, but then you've got this problematic portrayal of Maggie. Yeah. And, or the writing of it. It's not the portrait. It's not... Um, it's not on Raw Digga. It's not on Raw Digga, for sure. It's, the, it's all in the writing. Like you said, how she ends up saving the day is like she's pretending to be like a DJ. Which is like, I get that as a nod because she is yeah she's an mc like she worked with fucking busta no a hundred percent like it, what was the name of that fucking it's it the flip way house? It's, flip house it's the way that i could see flip how mode. They, oh, sorry flip mode squad was the was the crew sorry i could see how <laughs> they would think that that's like a cute nod but on the other side of the coin it kind of comes off as as tokenism and also the, the it kind feels of, racist it feels racist and like it, it feels, just is like ugh, i don't like this i feel gross well and she feels very much so like the black sidekick yeah, and that she's a domestic worker, and yeah. like, I can't, yeah. I don't, I just, I don't, it, it puts a bad taste in my mouth. I I don't know, I just don't, it, it, it strikes me as not great. So it's weird, this movie definitely wins points for some diversity, but then it kind of gets most of the points taken back away. <laughs> For how yeah. they wrote Maggie. Yeah, I mean, it's like I, like I said last night, this is the only time I've seen a, f- a significantly out of cast in an American film. Yes. And there's no one's a terrorist. Yeah, exactly. So it's like, that's a big win, but then... Particularly for this coming out two months after, or a month after 9-11. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, great. I mean, it was already done by then, but like... Yeah. <laughs> I'm just like, great. I love seeing Adams not be terrorists. One of them's the villain, but that's it. You've got yeah. a devoted dad, a really, like, a sweet daughter, and there's just no jokes made about it. It's just, like, everybody's Arab, and that's it. Yeah. So, again, like, kudos to them for doing that, but then the whole um, writing of Maggie just sits weird with me. Um, yeah, it doesn't feel good. Yeah, so it's it's interesting. I, I'm kind of conflicted about, about this movie, and in that sense yeah that i that that is right i think yeah it's that, that's that's the most i can say about it yeah i'm just reading rereading about rodega and how dope she is do you know she is an electrical engineer that i did not know that's wild i didn't i didn't know that like i knew her like music career but yeah, yeah, i didn't yeah. know that she was a fucking electrical engineer that's badass that's badass like that's a tough degree to get 100 percent. no um she better work I also love that she named her daughter Sativa. <laughs> really? Yeah. Amazing. Amazing. Obsessed with that. I Yeah, that's that's really, I, I don't know. I didn't really mean to end on that sort of note, but that's well, no, really I'll, the last thing We can thing also I just talk real quick about what makes a bad say. remake, because we've talked so much about what makes a good oh, remake. Yeah. yeah. And I think this is a bad remake. I think it is, because it just, it didn't. It it's, takes the story from the original and does nothing with it, right? Yeah. It updates. The, it's what we've talked about before. With like we've talked about good remakes and why they work. Yeah. And this is, I think, a bad remake. And I think we should explain that, right? Like, of this is it's a bad remake because it doesn't do anything new. Yeah. It really just updates the visuals. Like I said, the production design. You said this as well. The production design is fucking incredible. It. Yeah. Yep. But it doesn't add anything to the story. It doesn't really bring the story into the modern era. There's no reason why we're telling the story. Yeah. It's very cash grabby and not even a cash grab, but like we need to keep the rights. So we're going to bet that we're going to make money back on this. And we're going to throw some right now popular actors, you know, right. um, 
Shannon Elizabeth was definitely up and coming. She yeah, she had done American Pie. Had by done then. American Scary Pie. movie was about to come out. So yeah, they it definitely kind of it definitely feels like exactly what you said, where they were trying to keep the rights, and it was you know semi cash grab because when you throw in these people who are when you throw in more than one person who is very popular at that very moment, then that's kind of what that is. Yeah. And I just, it's also frustrating because it keeps, it holds on to that very sixties, fifties and sixties style of a horror film where you go to a house and things happen and you don't really explore the characters at all. Yeah. That's why I was like, Like it didn't update. That's what I mean by updating it for the time is that there's no emotional backstory except for the opening credits, which are fantastic. Like, I, I can't praise that that particular scene enough. Yeah, and that's why I didn't really go into, you know, what I normally go into or is how you know the women are treated and, and how much or how little agency they have because we don't really we don't really know anything about anybody. Yeah. It, everyone's pretty much treated the same in this movie as with the exception of the opening scene, which is why everything happens. So we, yeah. we have to have that. So that's really the only emotional grounding that we really get for any of the characters. So... I think that's also where this movie falls short where yeah we feel we feel bad for Shannon Elizabeth because she's taken on this motherly role and again and yeah and he, that's and, for her and her therapist yeah. to deal and Tony Shalhoub is um, just a, a broke math teacher they have enough money to hire a live-in nanny yeah exactly but, and that's, you know like they're all working you know yeah so it's I don't know. It doesn't. I think that's also where it falls short, though, is that I don't think that we really have time to be endeared to to the characters. I think that the mother dying in a tragic fire is kind of just a very quick that's a way. very Disney move as well. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> kill the mom off kill screen. Kill the mom off screen. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's a very like it's a very like um, let's try let's attempt to get everyone emotionally invested very quickly. Yeah. And I don't think it necessarily works because yeah, I don't, I do not really care about anybody in this movie. Yeah. We don't, well, we don't even see Kathy and Bobby for half of it. They're gone for pretty much the entire second act. Yeah. And everyone's dealing with other things while they're probably dead. Right. You know, they're not, but they're probably dead. Yeah. (laughs) And it's just like, okay, well, what, why the, why, why, why then? Why? Yeah. Like this movie never bothers to ask the question why, and it really sucks for that. Yeah. Um, so I mean, again, it's a fun watch. It's stupid. It's easy to watch, um, but yeah, it's not good. Yeah, I think that's kind of the um, end note thesis on it. Is that yeah, <laughs> give, give it a give it a watch. You know, it's. Um, I enjoyed watching it. That's the thing is, I liked watching this. Yeah, movie. I had a good time, but I'm not. I'm not going to say that you're going to be moved by no, watching no, it. No, I do not think you will be moved by this film. Um, um, I think just go back and listen to me t- giving the history of the ghost, and that's more interesting. Yeah, yeah, I'm. I'm more interested in that than this entire movie. So yeah, I think that's a that's a good place to wrap it up for today. Sweet. So you guys know where to find us. We're on yes. Instagram at yes. Horror Babes Podcast. We're on Twitter at Horror Babes Pod. We've got a little website, horrorbabespod.com. If you're enjoying us, please give us a rating or a review on iTunes. And uh, we'll be back next week for some more ghost stories. Listen in. I got so many ghosts to talk about. Yeah. 13 of them at least. At least. 13 and in them. They're 13 and ghosts anyway (laughs) until next time bye Bye, babes
Ja, ja. ja.